As we begin our class today, um, really important that um, through this series of the Acts, uh, what this is designed to do so that everybody knows is that Pastor Jonathan will be leading worship and teaching the service. And then as uh, life groups, as Sunday school classes, as small groups like this, we're going to get together then and get delved into the topic so that we can actually have discussion and get into it a little bit deeper, et cetera. And so I, I hope that we'll have that. They gave us, I was surprised they gave us the exact same notes that Pastor Jonathan used. So if you're keeping up with the book, you'll have often the, the blanks for this. If you didn't go to the early service, you'll be getting that content here. But feel free to go back and listen to the service. Okay. Um, so let's go ahead and read our verse together today. It's Hebrews 3.13. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Okay. Cool. Thank you. Again, as we're going through this, I want you to make application to your own life. And I hope that we can do that as we go through this, this lesson today. Um, and all the believers were one in heart and mind. Wouldn't that be amazing if we experienced that today? You know? Um, no one claimed that any of their possession was their own. In other words, it wasn't like Pastor, I appreciate Pastor John saying this wasn't socialism, this wasn't communism. Everyone was willing to give up what they had willingly. It wasn't forced upon them. In fact, it was a choice. You, you learn that in Acts chapter 5 when Ananias and Sapphira wanted to be a part of this, sold their land, but then kept back part of the price of it, donated it. So in other words, they wanted to act as if they were all of one mind and giving, but they were selfish. And Peter, when he confronts them, says, you not only lied us, you lied to the Holy Spirit. He said, wasn't what you had your own? You basically, you said, you have to do, you didn't have to do this. You didn't have to sell your land. It wasn't forced upon you. And so clearly what's going on here is they were doing it out of their own free will so that everyone's needs were met. Now, I will also say this. Why would this occur? Many of them in the first century, when this happened, they believed Jesus was returning in their lifetime. Just like we believe Jesus is going to return in our lifetime. No one knows when Jesus is going to return, but they honestly, they believed it was happening. So they were willing, to, it's not like, well, I've got to prepare for retirement. I've got to prepare for the future. They were thinking Jesus is coming again soon. He's going to come back. We want to just make everything great. It's going to be beautiful. Da -da -da -da. Not so much. And so ultimately, they were doing something that had a good intention. And they were trying to do it because they really believed they wanted to be just like Christ in everything they did. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them. All that there were, uh, that there were no needy persons among them um, from time to time. Those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned, 
brought the money, and put it at the apostles' feet. So we see this, what we're going to be doing over the next six weeks is taking an individual character of Scripture. In this case, it's about Barnabas. And again, this is a very similar lesson that Pastor Jonathan gave this morning. So Barnabas was known as an encourager, okay? He's a son of encouragement. The question that Pastor Jonathan asked and I ask here today, what do people say about you? Again, here's the issue, okay? If people were to describe you, what would they say? Okay? Now, this could be, you know, uh, this is something very personal for you to think through. Now, I also want to invite you to consider something. Okay? I want you to consider what, what would that mean if you were to ask your spouse ask your children, ask your parents, what would, you, what would people say about me? Now, here's the question. Can you ask that question and accept their response without getting what? Defensive? Hurt? Frustrated, defensive, right? People, you know, you ask your spouse, you know, what, do you, what do you think about this? And what, what, what do you think, honey? What do you think? And it's like, well, honestly, you know, I, I feel like that movie, You Can't Handle the Truth, <laughs> right? Can we handle the truth? In this case, obviously, the people around Barnabas said, man, this guy is an encourager. And they, they you know, they called him that. They, they put him out of this as unique. He was part of a group of church leaders who stood, understood the importance of encouraging others. What character traits are people who encourage others? How many of you in here maybe think you may have the spiritual gift of encouragement? Anybody? Okay. What are character traits of an encourager? Yeah. Positive. They're positive. What else? Yeah. A good listener. They're a good listener. They easily celebrate other people's success. They easily celebrate other success. Excellent. What else? Thinking about other people, not themselves. They think about other people, not themselves. Because if you're if you're encouraging other people, you tend to not focus on yourself, but if you're focused on yourself, you'll tend to talk about yourself instead of encouraging others or expect others to encourage you, right? These are character traits. Now, the question is, then how do I encourage people? Okay, how do I do this? So, you know, in other words, why don't you take a moment around your tables or whatever, think to yourself, how, what's a way that you can encourage people? Real quick. And then I'm going to get some quick responses. How do you encourage people? This is when you talk now. <laughs> All right, wrap that up. Now, let me ask you a question before I get examples. Okay? 
How easy is it to be critical? <laughs> is being critical easy for you? Okay. And it, 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 I know it is for me too. So if you're going to change from being critical to being an encourager, okay, how is it that we can encourage people? What, what can we do to encourage people? This is what you talked about an hour on your table or to yourself. Give me some examples. How do you encourage people? I send notes by mail. Thank you. Yeah, yes. send notes by mail. Yes. Okay. When you see something that looks nice or works, or say it. You know, because often you'll say, oh, look at that's a nice dress. Whatever. Acknowledge something. Say it. Say it. Don't just think in your head. It isn't, you know, women, I think, tend to do this more than men do. Uh, I say tend. But have you ever noticed other women looking at you? You know, you, you walk in with something, you're dressed. You know, if you ever have women looking, men don't typically look at men and go, well, what's he wearing that for? <laughs> but have, do women ever say something like, what's she wearing that for? <laughs> yeah. That's great to verbalize something positive behavior, positive actions when someone does something special. I think these are things. One of the things, every one of these items, I want you to do a takeaway today. Okay? And again, you have these notes, you have the booklet from the church. If not, you can get one on, on Main Street. But you can go through this and ask yourself the question how am I an encourager? How can I encourage? more than be critical. Critical is easy. Everyone kind of laughs. Yep, that's easy. But being an encourager can be challenging because you can't think of yourself when you're an encourager. You're thinking about them. What do your actions say about you? Barnabas was also known as a giver. He, he, he goes, you know what? He, he's not from this area. Okay? And he sells the land. He comes in and goes, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll be part of this. And he sells his land and, and, and gives it to the apostles. He's not one of the apostles, but he is a disciple. Okay? He sold the field he owned and, and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. He was a Levite. He still owned land, maybe in the home land of Cyprus, which uh, Pastor Jonathan talked about this morning. He was aware of the need and met it to help the church grow. What do we do and give? What we do and give can directly impact world evangelization. I think it's really important to understand that when you're faithful to God in what you do and what you give, your actions, it will only be known in eternity how that has impacted the soul of another individual. Many of you will never even be aware of that impact, because most people, just like the ten lepers who were healed by Jesus, only one came back and said thank you. Most of you, you may even do something and never even be acknowledged that you did something that impacted their life for the gospel. You may come to church 
on a Sunday. And your neighbor across the street recognizes what you do. I can't tell you the number of times uh, that you know I have been out with Cheryl in the community and they someone will come up to her and go, you're that lady that walks. <laughs> yeah. And then they'll go, and they'll talk about how, you know, they're trying to walk. Now, she's not putting it, she's not carrying a sign going, I'm walking, are you? <laughs> but people begin to feel guilty that they're not walking when they see her walk. Is that the intent of it? No, she's doing it for the health, for good health, right? But people see you leave for church, and they recognize that. And it's like, you know, we probably should get back to church. You'll never even know. One day, they'll start leaving. They don't come to Tom's Road. They'll go someplace else. You'll never even know the impact you make just by your faithfulness. By giving to this church. You'll never, you'll never even realize until, you know, sometimes Pastor Jonathan talks about it. Oh, yeah, we had 50 churches planted. And since those churches have been started, uh, you know, 4,000 people have come to know Christ. So we just kind of go, wow, yeah. Are you kidding me? You are directly impacting thousands upon thousands of people coming to know Christ just by being faithful. It's amazing. And God sees your sacrifice. Okay? It's like the song, Thank You for Giving to the Lord. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I was a life that was changed. And it goes through these scenarios. And they're up in heaven going, you never realized you were, you were doing this. You helped out in Awana. You served in this area. And one day, I bowed my head and I prayed and I accepted Christ. They don't necessarily, you won't know it till heaven. We'll have eternity to find out. But where you serve, where you give matters. It, it's amazing. He was an example of using what he had. You don't have to give anything you don't have. You don't have to use any gift that you don't have. He just wants you to use what you do have. And you have to ask, well, what do I have? What can I be used at? That's why we're trying to convince students of at Liberty to use your major in, in some area of service. You know, it's like... Business majors, yeah, I'm an accountant. What can I do? Do you realize how many nonprofits need your help that would love to have you serve with them in the area of accounting or marketing or management or counseling or psychology? Whatever. Amazing what you can do when you put it in practice. Barnabas was willing to take a risk and serve with those not accepted by others. Someone read Acts 9, 26 and 27 for me. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul, on his journey, had seen the Lord, and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. How do you think he knew that? How do you think Barnabas knew that? What? Yeah, sure, you've heard about it. 
he heard that, or he may have even heard Paul sharing his testimony. But people didn't believe him. Think through this in a practical way. I mean, Barnabas said, you know what, I'm going I'm to work with this person. Is there people in our community that don't look like Christians that say they are? That may not have acted like Christians, but say they are now? Yes. And what do we do with them? Bring them into the fold. Do we? That's the real question. Do we bring them into the fold? Do we? You know, it's like, man. Or do you go, what's that guy doing here? Man, I don't know. You know, hang out with them. You know, it's, what is the purpose of all of this? Barnabas was trying to figure out a way how do I actually accept them, and, but not just accept them, but to be a part of their life? Okay? He believed in the potential of those around him. These are character traits that Barnabas, uh, Barnabas that we can emulate. Okay? So he accepted people who weren't accepted by others. Okay? He believed in the potential of those around him. Do we trust God in the sanctification process? Someone read for me. Philippians 1 6. Dr. Paul was lifers. Being confident of this, that he who began to work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Alright. Do we believe that? Now let me ask let me ask this question. I asked at the beginning of class. How many of you have trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Say amen. Amen. How many of you are perfect? None. In Christ you are. But in your practical daily life, you're not. So here's the question then. Is God working in you to bring you, conform you to the image of his son? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Now what are we doing to do that with others? Intentionally, how do we work? Bring this in, Esther. We're, we have begun just for information in the women's ministry a mentoring. You know, we're training to be mentors and come alongside of believers that need encouragement, and that's really what Barnabas did. Yeah, exactly. So here, Paul relatively is is a new believer. Okay. Even though he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, knew the law, etc., he's a new believer in Christ. Most of these were, but here's something. You know, it's like, what do we do? Can we mentor other women, other men intentionally? Okay, every one of you, even your wife. Well, you know, I, I can't do. Yes, you can. You may be at a different level. So there may be people around you that you can come alongside, and actually, it's like, well, how can I help them become more like Jesus Christ? And when you do that, you grow probably more than they do through the process. But you're doing this with them. He was willing to believe the best in others. Do we have a tendency to believe the worst in others? Yes. You know? Do we believe, you know, know, I'm just getting tired of the fact that they're not faithful. You know, will they ever, ever come along? Will they ever grow? Why are they still doing this? I, I, I can be honest with you. To me, I've always looked at the Christian life in a very practical way. 
I'm not going to try to complicate it. It's really not that hard. I think most of us know exactly what to do. It's just the willingness to do it. And, and what we have found over the years is that, like, here's an example. When someone may not be coming to class for a while, we reach out to them the following week. They're in class. That encouragement encouraged them to be, you're missed and you're part of this. We're at the stage right now, it's like during, after this pandemic's over, it's like, where, when are we going to get people back? Well, we've got to be encouragers. So if you see people out there, encourage them to be back. Why? Because if we really <coughs> believe in church and discipleship, we're going to believe in being part of this together. And that you can disciple them. They can disciple you. They can encourage each other. Hopefully we can get around tables more than our families so that we can be able to have these kind of conversations together and go, how are you doing this? How are you practicing this? How are you learning this? How are you applying this? And you actually become around your table an encouragement to somebody else. That God actually uses you in this class to do this. Are you discipling others and helping them mature in their faith? And if you go, well, no, I don't really have that opportunity. Let me just tell you, you have the opportunity. The question is, have you asked God to give you that opportunity? You have not because you asked not. So could you bring someone else along? But most people don't walk up to you and say, you've been a Christian for a long time. Can you disciple me? Most people don't do that. They do it with like pastors, but those are, many of them are busy. They're doing a lot of stuff. It's like, well, maybe if you just come on and say, you know, hey, do you want to do a Bible study together? Most people would be like, wow, yeah, I'd love that. How encouraging that could be. Barnabas was obedient to God, and he called him to act. Acts 13, uh, 1 to 2. Someone read that one. Now in the church of Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, from Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, many who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. And Saul, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So God called him to act. Has God called you to act? Has the Holy Spirit <coughs> called you to act, to do? I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, coming to class, I, I uh, talked to uh, one of the guys that uh, in, in Awana. And uh, he was pretty excited. And... Uh, God, you told me God had called him and his family into, uh, into a chaplaincy. And so he eventually will be moving on. How exciting. How exciting. How exciting. Yeah. You know? And uh, I mean, what a big change. Uh, you probably know Jordan, you know, the head of the cheerleaders. Oh, yeah. At Elio, God had called him into the chaplaincy of the line of work. That's it's awesome. Exciting. I mean, just thrilled. Praise the Lord that God's called him into the into the chaplaincy. Yeah, um, just well, I hate to see him go. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know, at the, at the beginning of class, I shared Acts one eight, right? And you, who's the you? Me. <laughs> yeah. 
Each one of you in here, myself included, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The Holy Spirit's on you. Whether you're seven, 17, or 70, the Holy Spirit's on you. He's in you. And you shall receive power. Power from the Holy Spirit to do His will. And you'll be witnesses. And witnesses, some people go, well, yeah, but, I, you know, it's witnesses isn't just a word that means sharing your faith, telling the gospel. It's, that's a part of it. But you are a witness of everything. As you go into all the world, preach the gospel. That's a part of it. But witnesses, people were seeing this as witnesses of what God was doing. And they were getting saved. People were asking questions. They were engaging with them. And you are a witness whether you, wherever you go. God has that for you. Barnabas was obedient to God and he called him to act. He, he, he was sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading and he responded. He was willing to go wherever God called him. Okay? Are we willing to go wherever God calls us? Do we trust God's plan with our children and his calling on their lives? Now that's, you know, in some ways we go, you know, am I willing to go wherever God leads me? Chaplaincy. He's got a good job. Are you ready to go into a military setting or hospital setting if God called you? If God called you to go to the mission field in the U.S. or around the world, how would you respond to that? At this stage in my life, I'd probably say, are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> and there's Christians who say at any stage in their life. You know, no, uh, that, that can't be God. That, that's not God because God wouldn't call me because I'm not willing. How would we respond? You know, Paul, Barnabas, they were led by the Holy Spirit to go. God worked in miraculous ways in, in the New Testament. And obviously we see God speak through the Holy Spirit. Working like that, you go, well, I haven't heard the Holy Spirit tell me <coughs> audibly, so I, I guess I'm off the hook. What? You, God will never call you someplace that he doesn't equip you to go. He doesn't call you to punish you. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't call you because he doesn't feel like you can do it. He's calling if he, he's calling his life. And that calling doesn't have to be as a missionary overseas. It can be a calling right here in ministry, in this church. God, God you know, here's what the calling of the Lord is. It's that consistent inner presence of God speaking to your mind and heart about doing something. You'll know it. You'll know it. It's not hidden. God's not saying, well, if you're holy enough, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I want you to do. You'll know. You will have that inner feeling. You'll have that inner knowledge. I know this is what God wants me to do. I know this is what God wants me to do. The question then is, am I going to do it? Am I going to do it? But the harder question for most people isn't yourself. Today, the greatest struggle 
of parents, of children growing up today is allowing them to experience God's calling in their life. And you trust them with it. If it's a calling for ministry. I'm not talking, God wants me to be a barista the rest of my life, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to become a connoisseur of coffee around the world. Well, that could be it. Great. Okay? But nevertheless, maybe God's calling them, I think God's calling them to third world country. I believe God's calling me to work with Muslim people. I believe God's calling me to work with, with Jews. I believe God's calling me to work with Afghanistan, people from Afghanistan. And you're like, no, 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 no. God has not called you there. You are going to get married, have children, and live within four miles. And visit me every week. That is what God has called you to do. Amen. I have talked to multiple students at Liberty who have been called by God into ministry and their parents have told them, no. If you major in that, you're on your own. I will stop supporting you because I don't believe God wants you to go here or there. And they cry and they weep before the Lord. They weep before me and they're telling me, I believe it's... But my parents said, no, don't cut me off. And then what ends up happening is the struggle of financial happiness, financial security, and the will of God comes into play. And Americans today have learned to go towards financial security than the will of God. Because it's safe. And God will rock our world at times. He will put us in positions where we will have to completely trust in Him. And He's trying to speak to us. <clears throat> we have to let God be God. His ways are not our ways. What is it that God wants us to do? And you know what? He may not even want you to go anywhere. He just wants you to be obedient. To trust Him. Just trust me. Barnabas was willing to go wherever God called him. He was willing to go with the Apostle Paul who had killed Christians. Because he believed in the sanctification process of God. Imagine, you have to think through this now. What if Paul gets out there and the Jews start rebuking him and he goes, I don't like this persecution and goes back and then persecutes Barnabas. He, Barnabas had no clue that what Paul was going to do when he went out there. Did Paul get beat? Did Paul get tortured for being a, a Jewish believer who was reaching out to the Gentiles? Yes or no? Yes. Have you ever known a Christian who was persecuted and left the faith? I have. But Barnabas wasn't worried about that. We're going to do what God wants us to do. I'm going to work with them. 
who, who do you work with at, on your job that don't, you know, they, they call themselves Christians, but they're really not living for the Lord like they should? And I follow you. Can we come alongside them and be an encourager to them? Invite them to things? Maybe, hey, during lunch, would you like to have a Bible study together? It's, sometimes it's a sacrifice. What does that look like? What could be accomplished if I were ready to be used by God? You, not some preacher, not some teacher, not Lou. You. What if God wants to use you? What could be accomplished if everyone in this class said, I'm willing to be used? Now, here's the question. What hinders God's calling in a person's life of using them? Interesting. Fear, finances. Fear, finances. An unwilling heart. An unwilling heart. Sin. Sin. These are tough. Okay. Happy Fourth of July. The issue is like freedom. We have freedom in Christ, right? Amen? Amen. What are we free to do? <coughs> Pardon? We're free to do the right thing. Barnabas was willing to give a person a second chance. Acts 15, 36 to 41 says, Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went to Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Okay, what does this tell you about Paul's personality? Pretty strong personality. Not very much of a Barnabas, was he? No. And God uses people with different personalities. There's different personalities in this room. Some of you are very strong. Some of you are... Get, you, you are... The prophet at heart. You condemn sin and you think it's wrong. Others are like full of grace. Hey, give them some space. You know, let them grow. Encourage them. Great. Others of you are givers. Other, you know, etc. You use your gifts. Just don't let your, your gift be your weakness. Okay? John Mark deserted them, the team, during the first missionary journey. Okay? And that had to be frustrating. Okay? John, uh, John Mark is there with them. He's like, hey, you know, it's like, I'm out of here. And Paul's like, you know what? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been doing a project? Someone agreed to help you on a project. And then they left. And you were stuck by yourself, basically almost by yourself to get accomplished. You ever get frustrated? I mean, how do you feel at that point? Pardon? Resentful. You're frustrated. 
That's what Paul was. Okay? He's like, no, I'm not going to let this guy come back with me again. But Barnabas didn't give up on him and his potential to be used by God. The question we have to ask ourselves then is, what does it take for you to give up on someone and not forgive them or for you to believe God won't use them? I'm done with them. God, I'm, you know, that guy, that woman, you know, they did this and this and this. I'm not going to accept them anymore. A spouse. A friend. Or do we, do we not give up on each other? That's the beautiful thing I love about my relationship, my marriage with Cheryl. Our, our whole marriage has been about how do we help each other grow to be more like Christ without condemning each other. And Cheryl's been a perfect example of this for my life because I, I'm not always the best of the best. Um, but how do we do this as a family? How do we do this as an individual? How do we accept somebody regardless of their past? Regardless of what they've done in the past? Can God still use them? Can I forgive them? Can I accept them? Do they have potential to still be used? Let me ask this question. Do you still have potential to be used? See, Barnabas was willing to go his own way because of the principles in his life. How hard do you think this was for him? I mean, he was with Paul. I imagine he learned a lot from Paul, as Paul did from Barnabas. And he had to go his own way because it was the right thing to do. I'm willing to do the right thing even though my brother in Christ is rejecting me in this area. I've seen, I've witnessed that in a strong way in my lifetime, a couple different ways. Even here recently. And it's like, you either go with me or you're not for me. And it's like, see it. Seen it happen in people's lives. They've said, fine. Have at it. This is what God's called me to do. You just got to do it. Regardless of what people think. Barnabas' heart and actions show how he was an encourager. Why is encouragement so vital? How many of you in here need encouragement in your life? Anybody? Why is that so important? It helps you to persevere. Excellent. It helps you to persevere. There's so much that could be discouraging in life. I mean, just look around. Yeah. And when someone's taking the time to encourage you, that's awesome. Does it help you to believe in yourself? Does it help you to believe that you can accomplish? One of the things I always loved about Dr. Falwell is that he was the constant encourager. He made you, at the end of the day, he made you feel like you could accomplish anything. Some to our dismay and, and, and demise. I mean, I remember some guys in the 70s and 80s going out there thinking they were going to have a church of 1,000 in six months. And they had a, a, a church of 20 in two years. And that was discouraging because they believed. They so believed. Okay. A church of 20 is awesome. Just like a church of 20,000 is awesome. 
God calls us in different ways. But sometimes, you know, that encouragement gives us this feeling of, I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That idea that it, it, whether it's whether circumstances are going great or they're going tough, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do this. I can make this. And when you're when you're around an encourager, you just do better. Yeah. When you're around an encourager, you just do better. Yeah, you just do better. So the question then for us today is: Have you been an encourager today? How will you be an encourager today? In other words, will this go in one ear and not the other? And as soon as we get out on the road, idiot, stupid. <laughs> and why did you do this? Why did you do that? Are you an encourager or a discourager? Let's follow these next six weeks as ways to grow through the role models of these characters and acts to help us to be more conformed to what God wants us to be. Because you know what? What you do matters. Not just now, but for eternity. Yeah, Mark. Um, I think Paul forgave Joe Mark because when he asked, I think, Timothy to bring him his coat, because it was wintertime, he said, to bring John Mark with you. Because he's needful for the gospel. Yep, he eventually, later in his life, thank you for bringing that out. Forgave John Mark. And recognize the value that he brought to ministry. And I'm glad for that. You know, and, and that's an example of how if we can just believe and trust God. Because who's the one doing the sanctifying? Us or him? Him. Can we trust him? Let's just keep. But you know, along the way. We can be that encourager to help them know you can still do it. We can, they can be forgiven. They can be trusted. They can be encouraged. Together we formulate this plan to be like Jesus. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, thank you for this day and for everyone coming out today and hearing your word. Thank you for America. Thank you for this great nation. Uh, but God, thank you most of all for your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who is willing to die on the cross for our sins, be buried in, by the power of the Holy Spirit, power of God himself, raised from the dead. God, I pray that you would help us to die to ourselves each day so that we may live for you. If a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it will bear much fruit. May we see fruit for our labor. Now, or in eternity. Give wisdom to each one of us to know how we can be a blessing to others and encourage to others like Barnabas. And maybe, Lord, if you, if you so will, help us to disciple someone, to bring them alongside us, to encourage. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you all. Have a great week.